You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Alexa, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And you guys, guess what? It is media day. Yes, it happened here in New Orleans over at the Oshner Sports Facility, whatever they call it, the Oshner Place, where the Pelicans practice. It was fun. We got to hear some bites from everyone. They all talked. We spoke to Alvin Gentry, Anthony Davis, Randall, Drew, all of the players. And alongside me there was Rory Calais, one of the writers over at LongtownPelicans.com. And in just a second here, he and I are going to kind of just talk about media day. We're going to break down what we heard. I largely think it is pointless. But I will say there are some things to kind of take away from this. So we're going to let you know what those were. We're going to let you know what you missed if you weren't there and kind of what we're looking towards, the themes we kind of see developing from this, all of that and more. Now, if it's your first time listening to the podcast, of course, Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team Monday through Friday, five days a week and usually 30 minutes or less. It's a great way to get caught up. We got a Locked On Saints. We got a Locked On LSU podcast coming soon. And of course, you're now listening to Locked On Pelicans. So thank you for joining if it's your first time here. So we're just going to kind of jump right on into everything because we talked a lot about Media Day and everything you need to know from it. Joining me now on Locked On Pelicans, I've got Rory Calais, the writer for LockedOnPelicans.com, also guitar player extraordinaire, and you've got a show coming up at the end of the week? We do. Uh, I'm in Box and the Hound, who provides the music for Locked On Pelicans, and we will be at Bank Street Bar on Friday night as the 28th, I believe. Uh, show at 10 and we'll be playing with a band called the night manager and no cover on this show it is free get out support local music nothing wrong with that at all also it's fun and you guys are good and you got the intro music here which thank you for by the way yeah uh so no of course Uh, (laughs) that's how we ended up like working (laughs) together on this you reached out was like you want some music and i was like yes please (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's funny because I, uh, whenever I, like, I just kind of don't even associate it with me or the band anymore. It's just like the Locked On Pelicans music. So every time I hear it, I kind of forget that, like, oh, yeah, that's me playing guitar. You know? <laughs> like, so it's funny. every show now. Uh, so you were at Media Day with me, and <laughs> Media Day is, as I've talked, I talked about it on yesterday's podcast, like, it's largely pointless. There's a lot of, like, platitudes being thrown out. Everyone's in amazing shape and other things, but... I don't know. Being there today, I think there's some things we can glean from this. And certainly, I think there's a couple themes that rise to the top. So just right off the bat, like if you had to sum up a theme or two of Media Day in like one or two words each, what would you say was like the prevailing thought? Um, consistent. I heard everyone say consistent, consistency, night in, night out, battle every night, that kind of thing for sure. Um you know, I remember last year that was a problem with, the, you know, they, they appeared to take some nights off and things like that. So they were definitely, it seems to be a problem they're well aware of and something they're right at the outset trying to fix. 
And this goes to something, and Alvin Gentry was the first one up to speak, and he spoke the longest, of course. And that is something he mentioned. He mentioned them kind of maybe taking third quarters off at games, coming out of halftime really flat. Anthony Davis echoed that as well. And you've heard him say, just this Western Conference is rough right now. It goes potentially 12-plus teams deep. You can't really afford to take a night off because you're going to lose a game then. And if you do, it just sets you back in the standings when you're jostling with all these teams for just a playoff spot. Absolutely. And uh, one thing that kept coming up a lot was, um, you know, that stretch at the end where it was like, you know, we have to win, you know, five out of eight games or whatever the number was at the very, very end to even get in and how they want to, you know, everyone would like to avoid that. But, you know, Gentry, I think even AD kind of uh, as well reiterated, it's not that easy because everyone's good. Everyone's going after these things. It's going to be a battle dogfight night in, night out. Yeah, it it seems like they were. Yeah. No, continue. Oh, no, saying it is just so it just seems like they're want to make sure they don't put themselves in that position, but also kind of, you know, accepting the reality of just the West is too good to just coast to a playoff spot. Yeah, they're they're not taking it for granted. It's not, oh, we made the playoffs last year. We're going to be really good again this year. We can just get in and it's no big deal and turn it on when we need to. That's not the case. And this team went through this a couple of years ago. They made the playoffs. They got uh, they lost to the Warriors in the first round in that sweep. And then they ex- were expected to make the playoffs next year and completely fell on their faces. So I think maybe that was an important lesson for this team to learn at that time. So I'll throw something else out there that I think is a big theme, and that is just simply being a fast-paced team. Alvin Gentry talked about it and kept talking about it, that this team played fast last year, number one in the league in pace, and he wants them to play faster, and every player kind of jokes about it being like, yeah, apparently we're going to play faster than what we were doing last year as if it was possible, <laughs> but they, they actually all kind of are buying into this, I think. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I heard all of them say some some variation of, you know, well, it's going to be a challenge, but a challenge I accept. And I think they all trust Gentry enough to know that he will um, challenge them, but also, you know, they, they trust him with the minutes rotation and the minutes restrictions to make sure they don't get too tired out. And they know that he will guide them to being able to get to that next level of speed and pace that he wants. Yeah, and so it's they want to play faster. And not only that, when you said they all kind of get it, they all think this team needs to do it, they all think they actually can do it, despite like the, the easy joke that almost every single player made. You know, they all said, look at the athletes we have. We have Anthony Davis, who can get out and run. We have Drew Holiday, who can get out and run. And now we added Julius Randle, who I think everyone is expecting just a huge season from, who can get out and really, really run. And all of a sudden, this team's just built for this. And I think it was Darius Miller that said it, um, or maybe it was Ian Clark. I forget exactly who it was, and I'll try and find the sound for this at some point. And they basically just go, yeah, you know, why shouldn't we play faster than what we played last season, given the roster that we have? Absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, they all brought up a point of, yes, we are sort of built around big men. Uh, I mean, less so with Drew's emergence and DeMarcus Cousins' exit, but or, you know, huge, forget the pun, but huge players in this rotation. And I think that they were all very aware of, yes, we're, we're 
building our offense and defense around these big men, but these aren't just any old big men. These are guys who could run like a guard, move like a guard. Like it's a very unique set of players we have, and we could build a very unique system around them. So, and we're going to talk about that unique system in just a moment, but I want to circle back to something you said before, and that was the minutes thing. And this was a big point and something I had written down as something I really was curious to find out more about. And they kind of addressed it. And this, so Gentry said, and Demps uh, said it as well last Friday in his media availability, that this team feels they're deep. They feel they're a deeper team than they've ever had, which when you're going to play as fast as they are and try and get out in transition as much as they are, that's going to be really important because managing minutes when you're trying to run for 82 games like they are, can burn some guys out, and these guys are going to need to come in in great shape. By the way, on every NBA team, every player currently is in the best shape of their life right now. And so, you know, but but Alvin Gentry talked about it. He said he wants AD to play 32 to 36 minutes when probably most of us haven't penciled in for 38 or something like that. And I think that's going to be key. It goes back to how deep the Western Conference is. You can't burn guys out earlier on in the year because if you do, maybe they're not as healthy or as well-rested or fresh as you want them to be when you go up against those teams that you should beat. And that's how you kind of get surprised and get upset and maybe miss the playoffs from it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that was one thing they all they they genuinely seem to trust gentry on that you know they're you know again like you said they're all very much in the peak shape of their life everyone you know it's the top level of human performance on the entire league everybody everybody but they that was one thing i picked up is more like the acknowledgement that they're still human and that they the knowing what bodies over 82 plus games and trusting that gentry will they won't get burnt out and they won't get exhausted and uh you know there were several guys who even acknowledged that you know when they sort of faded down the stretch last year it was part of partly because their bodies weren't ready for the season-long push particularly darius miller he hadn't played an nba season in years and i don't i think health i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i think i remember him not being healthy enough to ever really play a full season before this past year and so he was just like, yeah, down the stretch, it was tough because all of a sudden, you know, struggling to come up with that energy night in, night out. So I think they definitely absolutely trust that Gentry's going to stagger them in a way to where they could, you know, continue humming along throughout the whole season and even peak come playoff time. Yeah, Miller said that it was he, he'd kind of been in and out of the league and never really played a whole season of NBA minutes. And so when he came in in the second half, when he played pretty poorly, he largely said it was because he didn't really know how to take care of his body. Now he knows what he needs to do, the type of shape that he needs to be in. And I think that's kind of a very big thing for this team because it's going to be a little bit rough. And we'll get into some of the players and the specific things they said in a moment here. But first, it still is also NFL season going on right now. And Locked On NFL is quickly becoming everyone's favorite daily national NFL podcast. Monday, it's the local experts on the biggest stories of the week. Tuesdays, you've got former NFL QB Sage Rosenfeld and Matt Williamson of Locked On Vikings. They're talking there. Wednesday, you've got Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. And Thursday, it's the great Mike Sando of ESPN. And then Friday, you're going to get Matt's picks to know what to bet on and who who's going to win the game. So make sure you listen daily to Locked On NFL. 
All right, so back to Media Day. You know, Gentry said what Gentry kind of should say. And again, this is a lot of what it is. But what's kind of maybe more interesting are some of the comments from some of the other players. And we've got to start with Anthony Davis. So one of the he, – he led off, which I think was a good way to do this. Um, and I think it was uh, – maybe it was Fletcher Mackle who'd said it. I forget exactly who asked. But asked about the change in agents, something I'll talk about on tomorrow's podcast more in depth. And AD just said this was the right move for the time in his career as he looks. And he said this a lot. And I think this might be a catchphrase or something he's trying to market himself around to become the most dominant player in the NBA. He said that like 18 times or something like that. Um, <laughs> and, this, and that's kind of what this agent move was designed to do. I don't know about that. But certainly, from everything we've seen and what uh, you know, Anthony Davis said and Solomon Hill echoed it, there's really just nothing going on here much with his agent other than he just wanted someone else to represent him. I agree. Um, I mean, look, all longtime fans of this team and this franchise are burned by what happened with Chris Paul a few years back. So, you know, obviously everyone's guard's going to go up when he goes to the very same agency that Chris Paul went to before he left. But uh, I also wrote down and underlined being the most dominant player in the league because he, like you said, he he reiterated that over and over and over. Uh, I think it. I I think there is something to it though because uh, all the chatter about him leaving never really came from anything he directly said or did, and I think you know I mean this guy came voting and he doesn't have his own shoe. He's not really netting huge endorsements like Red Bull. Yeah, but he's not getting the Nikes and getting the, you know, Coca-Cola and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he just wants to be in Space Jam, too. You know? it, it very much might be that. And certainly if I was a monster, I'd like Anthony Davis as my superpower. I don't quite remember how it works, but but something like that. Right. Yeah. Also, I definitely think most dominant player is going to be something that you're going to see of a lot of marketing for him, which, hey, cool, it works. He's a beast on defense and on offense. So, you know, it kind of makes a lot of sense to me. One thing that jumped out uh, to me from things he said, though, is he mentioned two different lineups. And in both of those lineups, he mentioned Drew, he mentioned Randall, didn't mention Miritich, I think, in every single one of them. But the, the player that really jumps out that he mentioned in all of those was Alfred Payton. You know, and when Anthony Davis is talking lineups that he's going to be playing in and he's already putting in Alfred Payton, it probably largely speaks to the role that Alfred Payton's going to say. And also, if Anthony Davis likes him that much, as down as I've been on him at times, Alfred Payton, that is, I feel like that's a, you know, maybe that's one of the more optimistic things that I kind of walked away from was maybe Alfred Payton's in for a big season, just kind of based on the way Anthony Davis is talking about him and looking to be playing with him. Not only Anthony Davis, everyone, because, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the questions centered around new guys, both Alfred Payton and Julius Randle. But when it, for Payton in particular, and I wrote it down every time, uh, hard worker, which, again, that, that's like being in great shape. Everyone's a hard worker. But a, more than one person commented on just how intelligent he is and his court vision and these things that, you know, his career so far has not really indicated, but. I mean, he may have just not been in the right system, and now he's by good players. And he is has a competent coaching staff around him, and he has all these factors that will maybe enable him to take that next step that he wasn't able to take in Orlando and certainly not in Phoenix. Yeah, and so the lineups that AD mentioned was when asked about the bigs all playing together, you know, with Davis – Randall and Miritich he mentioned he's like yeah we're gonna try that and it'll be Drew and Peyton in the backcourt 
And it just was immediately Drew and Peyton. Was it Drew Moore? Was it Drew and Ian Clark? It was Drew and Peyton. And I think that's kind of a big sign right there. And then, of course, the other one was, he said, in pickup that they've been playing is Drew, Peyton, Moore, Randall, Davis. And that sounds like it's going to be the running lineup. Basically, any one of those three guys can get the ball and push it up the court. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But certainly, AD has kind of his sight set on Alfred Peyton. is a, a very big contributor. So going back to the the three four five thing here of all the bigs, do you think that's something that they is going to work? Let's start with that, or something we're really going to see a whole lot because I worry a little bit about who's going to guard the three there. Then you figure maybe AD can kind of do it, but it's it's an intriguing idea of Miritich, Randall, and Davis all out there at the same time. Yeah, and they and they asked each of them, and um, I, I, you know it's funny. I think. Nico kind of laughed about it. Nico seemed to be in a very British segment, but um, AD was kind of he he had mentioned that and Gentry brought it up to him, but also he brought it up to Gentry. He said it was one of those funny things where they like both meant to tell each other about this, and they you know were both thinking the same thing. And um, yeah, it would certainly be interesting to see how they all fit together. They certainly believe that they each have a skill set that overlaps and would match. And I mean, can't say they're wrong. They, they do at least on paper. Um, but one thing that also jumped out at me is that they all believe that the, and, and this goes back to what you were saying with the, everyone believing how deep this team is. They believe the depth is there to where they could pull that off to where they don't need, you know, they need to save Nico because he needs to sub in AD or Randall. Cause times they believe to heal Okafor or, like that could come in and get quality minutes and they could all run together yeah and and certainly we're, we're going to see them try it and you have to figure in preseason they're going to experiment a lot with that Miritich I think was the guy who's maybe like the most skeptical of it and was just like look if that's what they want me right. to do that's what they what I'm going to do because I'm just trying to make this team better so speaking of the two two we, you know we've touched on Peyton I think everyone's really excited for him he seems to be in a better situation and his his talk was kind of just eh, whatever uh the other guys though the newer guys I think that are maybe some of the more intriguing ones is obviously Julius Randle so when it comes to him he said one thing that I kind of loved and this gets echoed I think with Jalil Okafor as well and Randle said this is the perfect situation for a basketball player I think walking into what the Pelicans are doing and I think this really speaks to maybe the culture that's been built throughout this team over the past year or two was everyone's walking in and seems Pretty damn impressed by how things are done here, how things are run in New Orleans, the type of players they have, and just the organization top to bottom, which I think is a really good sign. And you've heard Okafor echo echo that as well, I think. And I think he talked about it, too, in his press conference today. Echo for, echo for. I'm I'm in preseason form myself here. I do that all the time. (laughs) I do that all the time, but... um... No, Okafor, one thing that jumped out, well, him and Randall both said a, a thing that never really occurred to me, but, uh, you know, like you said, Randall said it's a perfect situation for a basketball player. Okafor reiterated, I just wanted to be part of a winning culture. I'm excited to go to a winning go to a winning organization. He kept saying that over and over again. And, you know, it's easy for people who follow this team, and particularly long-term fans like y- you and I, to kind of be conditioned to not view the team that way. Like you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, but the perception of the team against the actual people in the league, at least according to them, 
would indicate that that that's changing. And now they're begin, you know, they're starting to be viewed as one of the more successful franchises to go to. Yeah, and it's it's attracting guys, or and hopefully will continue to attract guys that might not otherwise have signed here. It might have just wanted to take a chance somewhere else or something like that. And I think that's kind of a really big deal. I mean, Julius Randle, in terms of free agency, has to be one of the better players they've gotten in years and years and years, kind of. And speaking Ab- of Randle, absolutely. You know, I think so. I was most excited for him going into this, and I think I came out still most excited for him going into this. And they answered a lot of things I was going to ask and just didn't need to, and. You know, this is a guy I'm really high on. He's a bull down low. When he wants to score, he's scoring at the rim and at the basket, and it's as simple as that. But I think his playmaking has kind of been underrated. You see him make the right pass in transition. They ran a little bit of kind of like point forward type stuff with him out in Los Angeles. And all of a sudden, everyone's talking about the playmaking that he can do. Gentry said that Randall can do a lot of the playmaking that DeMarcus Cousins did for this team. I talked about this on yesterday's podcast. It was nice to hear that echo because he should be, and his passing skills have the ability to do that. Anthony Davis talked about that. You saw, I think maybe it was Alfred Payton talk about it or Drew Holiday. Someone else mentioned that as well. They have really high hopes, not just from him getting out in transition and running, but doing a lot of other type of things. And if we see him play kind of that, that point forward role or something like that, I think that's something that can really work well with Julius Randle in the court with almost any lineup. Absolutely. And uh, Randall himself said, you know, they're pushing him for to have more ball hands run screens and pick and rolls, initiate offense. Uh, I believe the, the quote I wrote down was freedom within structure uh, in that they have their system they're running, but within that system, he's able to be himself. And one thing that a lot of guys touched on that jumped out at me too was uh, in, in regards to Randall in particular was um, he's not exactly making a huge leap uh, from system to system here. Luke Walton's system over in, uh, with Los Angeles was, is very similar to Alvin Gentry. So, it's they're both emphasize running fast pace defense unselfish ball so i mean you say all those things and i I could see why they targeted julius randall and why he feels this team is going to be an easy transition for him to come and succeed yeah you know i mentioned yesterday on the podcast that the lakers had a, a top five pace as well which randall really thrived in and then you know you kind of forget that both walton and Gentry overlapped at the same time in Golden State. So you have to figure Walton took a lot of that from Gentry and then applied it to the Lakers where Randall's coming from, which kind of means he's coming into camp, into the regu- into the preseason, into the regular season, maybe ahead of schedule in terms of adjusting, which I think is a really big thing. So we've talked about some of the main players. We'll talk about the other guys in just a moment here. But first, before I forget, you know, finally the, the regular season is really close. We're back to real basketball after this long offseason. But look, the Locked On NBA podcast never went away, and it's still here for you every day. Locked On NBA is your daily national NBA podcast. Every Monday, get the local experts on the biggest stories, and then stay with Locked On NBA all week long with daily 30-minute podcasts on everything going on around the association. And of course, I host the Wednesday edition. Follow for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast locked on NBA. So we've talked about kind of the biggest guys here and maybe some of the more important players. 
the the one maybe we've kind of forgotten here has been Miritich because probably he he overlapped his presser with with um, Darius Miller because right. these guys had a long day of photo shoots, interviews, doing all of this, and they wanted to get out of there. It was kind of funny, and. Right. Um, he said one thing that was my big takeaway from that is he, he went through a bit of a slump last year and that's how he ended up doing the shaving thing and how it probably made him a bunch of money with the Gillette endorsement and all of that. Um, and he said though, you know, training camp's really key for him. He's a fast learner, but it's tough to do that when you're learning on the fly in the middle of the season with only 20 something games to go. So now all of a sudden he can come into training camp. He can know his role a little bit better. He can kind of get into maybe a rhythm with some of these players that he didn't have when he first arrived here. You know, that to me might mean he's in line for a bit of a breakout season as well. Absolutely. And he emphasized that himself, um, how huge it was for him, how he was feeling very confident in having a better start, um, how he was going to keep the beard off because that seems to be working. And it, like you said, it's making him a ton of money now. Yeah, he's, so, he's making some money, so he better not shave. <laughs> right. But, um, but no, and I think, you know, he stepped into an uncertain situation because DeMarcus was out for the year. He came in when, with Ashik going, Omer Ashik going out. But it was still, we weren't sure what we were going to do with the guy. It took a, you know, a couple of weeks and some games for it to really start to click. Uh, but now that it, it has clicked, and especially on defense, like we saw in the playoffs, that swarming, switching defense that him and AD both had, and you add Randall into that, and now they have a whole training, season, training camp to actually work it out ahead of time and not have to do it on the fly. One confidence and him he's no different he's he's feeling good about what's in front of him you know they've had success and now they get to actually build on it and have the time and the resources to maybe truly make something special yeah and i think that kind of applies a little bit to ian clark too he mentioned that his confidence kind of dropped off after the start to the year and he's kind of in you know the doghouse for a little bit there but once that kind of came back he kind of became a different player i think a lot of these guys were just kind of trying to figure out that role it's their first time with this team what do the coaches want from you? What do your teammates expect from you? And if you're uncertain of that, it kind of can lead to some issues. So I think all of a sudden now these guys know their roles a little bit better and can kind of figure out and work on the little things. And that maybe just makes you even more successful. Some of the other things I think are worth mentioning, and I had to leave a little bit early, but let's touch on him. You were there for Frank Jackson. What was your takeaway from his presser with everybody? He is just, happy to get back on the court. Uh, you could it just tell uh, from his body language, from the way he phrased things. I mean, it's been a year since this guy's played competitive basketball, and he hasn't played a minute. Of, uh, the summer league blast didn't count, really. You know, so he's just he just wants to play, and he says he feels the injuries are behind him. He feels everything's good, but he, re- he recognizes he has his condition. being out of, off the court for so long so i think he just wants to get out there and show what he could do that's what he kept saying i just want to be i just want to play i just want to show it to everyone what i could do um and then he's been adding to his game as he's been sort of coming back too he's working on the range of his shots and better ball handling skills obviously defense every every single one of them preach defense but um you know i think he knows his role he knows the road ahead but he's excited to play yeah, certainly. And, you know, uh, Alvin Gentry talked about him, too. I, I'm not as high on him as others are just because he, he's played 13 minutes in 
uh, right. summer league, and that's it. That's all we've seen. And he's looked good in those 13 minutes. But there were the 13 lie. great – 13 greatest minutes in summer league history though uh, amazing <laughs> right and uh, you know so gentry said he's really high on him too he mentioned something like yeah he's looked great and i'm like in what like where does he look good in what game action has he looked good but look i'm rooting for the guy gentry seems to think he's going to contribute in a positive manner to this team this year and i think that's a big thing whether that's in limited minutes or in a bigger role i think that kind of remains to be seen some of the other things that are probably worth mentioning, Ajinsa is not active for five-on-fives yet. They're hoping that's coming soon. And I think the big thing when it comes to Solomon Hill was he's healthy and he feels good. He was very clearly not the player he wanted to be in the playoffs and at the end of last season. And then he came out and just said, he's like, finally my hamstrings at double the strength that it was last year when I played. That seems like a very good thing if you're an NBA player to not have like one significantly weaker, I don't, leg muscle. So uh, one thing he said early on that jumped out at me is um, how the mind-body connection. And if something interrupts that, it affects your game. So obviously a really horrible hamstring injury is going to not only affect your, your physical ability to perform, but how you mentally approach the game. The, the two go hand in hand. So he was saying, well, of course, some, anyone coming back from that would struggle. and But now he just seems like he's in a much better place. Uh, again, like I said with Jackson, he you know recognizes he needs to get in game shape, but his recovery. And if we already have a team with you know two all-NBA defensive players on it, um, adding a guy like Solomon Hill is huge. Uh, just hopefully hopefully Only his a good starts thing. falling a little better. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Hey, maybe playing fast gets him easier buckets because the offense hasn't been there. The defense has been above average. I wouldn't call it amazing, but adding another piece of depth at the wing is not a bad thing. And I guess this maybe goes to maybe the last theme we can claim from the uh, media day here for the Pelicans. And that is, if I had to maybe sum up all of it in one word, I'd probably say the theme that I got uh, took away from this is the word competition because that was mentioned a whole yeah. lot and they're having an old school competition for like a number of roster spots and you kind of heard that echoed through all, almost everyone particularly the players that are trying to make the team i think this is a good approach to take with it because why not you're going to get the best out of somebody in this way i would imagine yeah and uh actually the guy who, who kind of hammered that home the most at least for me was check diallo uh, last but not least in the media day lineup um, and he basically said, look, I mean, obviously none of us are going to unseat Anthony Davis, but outside of that, we're fighting for spots and we're all trying to fit in the rotation and we all want to do what we have. And it's not a negative thing, but it's, they're bringing the best out of each other. And one specific example he gave was, uh, Jahil Okafor. He's, he's been playing against Okafor a lot. And he said, he's never played against a guy that physical. So just having to deal with that and having that level of competition and being faced with something you're not to is Diallo that he didn't know was there. It's making him better. And then in turn, you know, vice versa, things Diallo does in response makes Okafor better. And then they, at the end, they're both better players. So that was something they were all acutely aware of. Uh, everyone down from, you know, Diallo, Agenza, Frank Jackson, I mean, everybody, they were all very much keyed into what's ahead of them. Last roster spots. 
Yeah, you know, it, it's it goes back to maybe that complacency thing we were talking about where none of them really are in this case, but they could have been. They made the playoffs last year. They swept a team in the first round. It's easy to just be like, we're good, we're going to roll, and not put in kind of the work that you maybe you need to put in. But when you add a bunch of really hungry, competitive guys that are maybe fighting for their jobs, playing for their jobs, competing for their jobs, I think that can make a real big difference. And like you said, those guys are not going to ease up in practice at all for anybody because they can't. You're going to lose your job. You're not going to get your money. You're not going to be in the league. So maybe that kind of wakes some of these guys up, realizing they can't get you know outshone by some of these other guys, these young guys, these these non NBA players in training camp, in preseason, however long it goes for with this team. And finally, Rory, we'll get you out here on this. Drew Holiday said it. He made first team All Defense last year. He'd like to start making that a thing. I think that's a pretty good idea and a good goal yeah. he set for himself there. I would totally agree. Uh, and I, I kind of smiled to myself when he said, yeah, you know, like I said, to be a thing. Um, and another thing he said in relation to Alfred Payton, kind of cycling back to what we were saying earlier, is uh, he said the quote was, I think we'll be a problem uh, regarding him and uh, yep. Alfred Payton in the backcourt defensively. So that's a good thing to hear that he's already has that kind of killer killer instinct mentality heading into the preseason. He's, and he feels like Alfred Payton's going to be right there with him with it. Yeah, and I think that's a very good thing. And I'm totally cool if he wants to do that year after year after year. It's only a good, a good <laughs> thing will, for the Pelicans. <laughs> Sign me up for that. Yeah, let's. I don't know. Let's get a couple like defensive <laughs> player of the years, year after year in there. Yeah, I don't why know. Not? Let's throw some final MVPs into the mix too, because that's pro- probably only going to be a good thing then. So yeah, cool. Let's set just. Yeah. Re- yeah, it just acted like you know, winning defensive player of the year or making all t- uh, all defense first team is just like a regular thing he should be doing, which is not an easy thing to do. That's not a regular thing anyone does usually. But I kind of liked that. That's kind of yeah. This is what it should be. This is what how I expect it. And it's like, all right, awesome. I dig that. So Rory, thank you for jumping on. Thank you for being there at Media Day with me. Let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter. And, of course, a little uh, remind them again about the show this coming Friday. Absolutely. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at, at Rory, R-O-R-Y underscore Kale, C-A-L-L-A-I-S. Um, so at Rory underscore Kale on Twitter. And I will be playing guitar with Vox and the Hound, who provides the music you're about to hear as this podcast fades out. Um, is a song called Moxie, if you're curious. But uh, we will be at Bank Street Bar on Friday, September 28th at 10 p.m. Uh, with and the, a band called the night janitor is opening up awesome thanks so much again for joining me here today oh thanks for having me jake it's always a pleasure so there you have it the media day conversation of course there's going to be a lot to take away from all of this we'll be talking about certain things that kind of jumped out at us more the rest of the week we'll try and play some of the sound for you too to maybe put some of it in context as well so thank you all for listening to this edition of locked on pelicans please share it with your friends if they haven't heard it before of course monday through friday five days a week coming to you giving you everything you need to know about your favorite team the new orleans pelicans as always i'm your host jake madison at nola jake on twitter i'll be back with you all tomorrow.